0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to OMB Reviews. I am the critic who is a cynic. How is everyone doing this evening? Happy and blessed Tuesday. Blessed uh, week of septuagesima, small mini-season, liturgical season of Septuagesima, as we get ready for the Holy Season of Lent. And welcome to episode 481 of the Welcome to Asgard podcast, where tonight we're talking about my top 10 best films of 2023. Finally talking about my top films of the year. If you've been following me over on Criticless. Uh, let's just say there shouldn't be too many surprises on on this list. Um, but I have now officially put my numbers, uh, you know, behind specific movies. I have solidified my order, and the chances of it changing. Are slim to none, but of course anything could happen. Especially since there are still some movies that I still just have not had the chance to see. And and seeing that we're now almost a full month into 2024, and I've I've not been able to see a lot of the films that I thought I might have a chance to see. Uh, I I don't think the prospects are, are very high. But I also just really you know sat down and thought about it. You know, do I really honestly think that any of the films that maybe I have not gotten to see from 2023 will actually be enough to change my mind? Probably not. Most likely not. Um, and so, because of that, we are talking top 10 best films. Also, this coming weekend is Megacon in Orlando. Just got confirmation at the end of last week that I will be able to drive down to Orlando. It'll be an interesting experience, as always. I, I remember I did this trip, I think, two years ago. It may have even been three. It's, it's been a little while uh, since the last time I was able to do an Orlando trip, let alone the, a Megacon trip. I think it may have been two years at this point, and so uh, it's a fun drive. It's about, uh, on paper, is about eight hours. I think I can typically get that drive in about seven-ish or so. Don't worry. I don't do any crazy, crazy speeding. I go with the flow, um, and the flow tends to be a little bit faster, but... <laughs> Anyway, with, with that being said, going to talk a bit about Megacon as well, some of the things that, that that I know, right, obviously are most of the things that you know, and also just to get some of your thoughts about what you think Megacon's going to be like, are you planning to be at Megacon, and if so, what days are you going to be there? I'm only going to really be there, presently there, uh, Saturday, because I get in late uh, Friday night will be around all day Saturday, all evening Saturday, and then I plan on getting up for an early Mass on Sunday and then heading out right after that. So, should be a fun, fun time. But, anyway, let's go ahead and get started. Before going further, any further, please make sure you smash that like button, light up that fire button, and i smash the rumble button as well. And let's go ahead and say hello to the people in the chat right now. Starting off with Gary Banjo Sandwich Worthington, who was here Uh, First in the chat saying, vote Ravens now, vote Ravens now, and I did post a link just a little while ago so that if you have not submitted your choices, if you have not submitted and filled out your ballot for the 6th annual Raven Awards, now is your chance to do so. We will be collecting these still for about another month or so. I think we have most of the month of February to be collecting votes, but obviously you know, vote soon and vote often, as is often said, especially in some of the major cities in in uh, this this beautiful country of ours. Um, but uh, yeah, make sure to fill that out. Make sure to maybe at least have a bookmark of it. So that way, when you are ready to submit your votes, that you can get those out there because it's always better to have a lot of submissions. It makes things a lot more interesting. It makes the battles between first and second place and, and all these other things happen. And it's, it's a good time. So please, Go ahead and fill those out. We got the man with orange chat in the chat. What is going on, good sir? He is the king mod here. So make sure that you follow his instructions very carefully. Don't spam. Don't be a jerk. Put at Odin at the very beginning of your comment. At Odin. Especially now that a huge portion of the audience is going to be members because of some amazing, amazing people. Uh, low water mark, of course, dropping... Fifty memberships just last stream alone. Uh, because of that, please put at Odin. Even if you are a member, so that way I can, you know, more easily be able to detect. You know, who's talking to who, et cetera. I, I might still try to just read the member chats, uh, if I get to them. But if you're not a member, that's okay. Just put at Odin and I do try to read all the chats as 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 quickly as I possibly can. But you might have to be waiting around for about twenty to thirty minutes, depending on the stream, depending on what's going on, and also just depending on how how much my ADHD is flaring up that day. We got Bruce in the chat. What's going on, Bruce? Hail to you. We got Kimberly G Shadow Cat. What is going on, Kimberly G? Always great to have you here. We got the Master of Gaming. What is going on? Indeed, voting is mandatory. If you don't vote, you don't care. If you don't vote, you can't have opinions on movies. That's how it goes for the Ravens, everybody. Print Screen, does a member, what's going on? Good sir. Michael Burgett, what's going on? Welcome back. We got Keely Chow in the chat. What is up, Keely Chow? Hail to you. Thank you again for being here, as always. Always appreciate it. Uh, he goes on to say, how are you, Thor, Freya, and baby Sif doing? Uh, Thor is doing fine. Uh, he uh, It's just amazing to see him. It's one of those things where as a dad, it's just kind of also weird that he's you know, three years old and he is turning four this year and that I have been a dad for that long and now I have two kids. Like every now and then I just kind of step back for a second and think, oh, goodness, like this is just kind of... Kind of a bit surreal in, in a lot of ways. Um so just to see him grow up has been truly an amazing experience. It's just I can't really describe it because, oh, believe me, there are so many lows, there are so many highs. You know, it's a it's a roller coaster, especially um especially when they're toddlers, but uh, he's been doing great. And it's, you know, all in all, obviously, because there are definitely some moments where things get a little bit uh a little bit tough. But is been doing. Uh, baby Freya is doing well, also. But please, if you could keep her in 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 y'all's prayers, I'd appreciate nothing major, nothing crazy, um, but enough to where uh, prayers would be appreciated uh, for for baby Sif and um, just just a small infection again, nothing major, but always appreciated. Prayers are always good. Print Screen, I actually saw this chat as soon as I was hitting on the go live button. You know, getting the 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 pre. Uh, The pre-stream video playing, and so I actually ended up watching this, so his question for those that, that don't see the chat says, have you seen the trailer for the Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare yet? I just did because of you, and it looks pretty good. I, as you all know, am a pretty big fan of Guy Ritchie, big fan of Guy Ritchie films. Uh, his his two films that came out in 2023 were always gonna be in contention for some spot on my list, right? With Guy Co- with Guy, reaches the Covenant, of course, and with uh, Operation Fortune Roost de Guerre, which is a very early um, early film in the year, actually. That I was already like, okay, this film has gotta be. Probably one of my favorites at the end of the day. Obviously, a lot of films have come out since then, but Guy Ritchie has just been on fire the last few years, especially. I I, I think I go back to, was it 2019? He he did The Gentleman, um, and he's just done a lot of really great stuff since then. Wrath of Man, I think, might be the weakest of the films, but when Wrath of Man is the weakest film that you have, I think that still says quite a bit because I still remember, and I still go back uh, within my mind to the opening sequence of Wrath of Man, which is still just a, a fantastic sequence. Um, very well shot and, and just very effective. So yes, I, I finally got to see the trailer and it looks pretty good. I think the casting looks great. Henry Cavill looks, looks awesome. He looks like he's playing a very fun character. And that's the thing about Guy Ritchie Films. It looks like anyone who's ever in them is having just a, a ball. It's just having so much fun. So yeah, I'm excited to, to check it out. I am very much optimistic for that film and we will definitely have to add it to being on my most anticipated films of, of the year list, for sure. Let's see, The Morak, what's going on? Thank you very much for tagging. Ryan Liu tagged to say, what are the chances of Dune 2 hitting a billion? I don't think very high. Uh, again, I think that we sometimes forget that the first Dune, when it came out, obviously the excuse is always going to be, oh, well, COVID, COVID, COVID. Yes, yes, this is true. But we also have to remember that that excuse can only really take you so far. And we also know that the state of the modern movie-going audience is is of a sort that a billion dollars is a lot harder to hit. It's just going to be something harder for a lot of films to be able to to be able to actually you know uh, be able to cross that that threshold. With that being said, we also have to remember that when it comes to Dune specifically. It is a very niche audience. You think back to the, you know, obviously the novel. So there is the novel, you know, the fans of the novel itself, which obviously it's still it's a big enough name to where it's well known in, in, you know, science fiction and fantasy, things like that. But outside of that, probably not something that a lot of people have read because it's also, if you have read it, you know, as for me, I've listened to the audiobook. book. I think I still got halfway through, a little more than halfway through before the first film came out. So I obviously have a little bit of homework to do myself. It's a long drive, so I might have to put some Dune on while I'm driving down uh, to, to Orlando this weekend um, or on the way back. But... We we also have to rec- recognize that when it came to the first film that came out, the first film adaptation, that film again, I'm obviously not a big fan of that film, but most people who are fans of it would still agree it's not a you know huge big budget big box office movie by any means. It's very much a, like a cult film that there's a, you know obviously dedicated audience for, but very small. And then you look to the first Dune that was put out by Denis Villeneuve, right? Part one of of now the modern Dune franchise, and it was what about 400 million sometimes I I talk and think about numbers so much on any given you know any given day and so I have to always kind of think back to that so yeah the first dune came back in 2021 uh towards the end of 2021 so that's the other thing to keep in mind too right October of 2021 it was only in December just a couple of months later that Spider-Man was able to destroy the whole covid narrative right and so if dune If Dune was going to be that kind of a movie, then it would have been able to break the narrative because really not a whole lot of time was separating those two movies. It was a two and a half hour film. This upcoming film is also going to be quite a long film as well. And because, as I mentioned, it has more of that, you know, almost cult following, um, more obscure as far as where the fandom actually is for it, I just don't think that it's going to be able to, to pull in that kind of money. So, yeah, going back to the first film... It cost 165 million dollars to make. It made 402 million dollars, which again was was actually pretty good as far as movies of that time. Um, but then we also just have to remind ourselves that you know that's still not quite enough, right? The the film was not really able to to make its its money back based off of the metrics, especially since um, obviously a large portion or a large amount of money that was made by that film came from international markets. If I'm again, let me go ahead and let's see if I can pull up those numbers real quick. Like I have the numbers in front of me, yeah, so it uh according to the numbers.com, it tapped out at three hundred and ninety one million dollars. I think box office Mojo has it at four hundred million, so again very close there, and the film made you know roughly a th- you know two thirds of its entire box office in the international market, so remembering that split you know the crazy chart, the random crazy chart that I always talk about between that and and everything else going on, you know the film was definitely not a huge financial hit or success so Yeah, basically, it's a long way of me trying to say, I don't think it's going to hit a billion dollars, and those are kind of trying to explain why. It's always important, you know, because some people can just throw out there saying, oh, yeah, this film is definitely going to make a billion. This film's never going to make a billion. It's important to also know why. Obviously, you know, last year, I was wrong about the Super Mario Brothers movie, but I still hold that the logic that I was using was still very sound. I think a lot of the logic being used to explain why that film you know, why people were predicting the film was going to make a billion, really, the, the the reasoning itself, right? You can have a correct answer. It doesn't mean that the way you got there is necessarily correct, right? Um, but yeah, hopefully that answers the question. Again, as I mentioned before about, you know, whether it's 20 or 30 minutes, depends on how my, <laughs> my ADD is functioning. Well, there you go right there. Uh, Snow Gollum over on Odyssey, what is going on, said, just kidding. I assume uh, it was the, was it the little bear trap thing? Because I don't think any of the gifts actually show up for some reason. Um, I don't know if that was the case or, or not. Anyway, Michael Greggat, I to say, saw a trailer on Sunday night for a new indie film releasing in March called Sleeping Dogs with Russell Crowe and Karen Gillian looked like an interesting film. That's a very weird casting. So, could be great. Could not be not so much. Uh, Scavola 1975 greetings, greetings to you. GMucky76, what's going on? Snowgolem13 says, I've seen a cat fall in the fish tank. That didn't go well. Oh, boy. Your average patriot nerd, hail chat, hail to you, your average patriot nerd. I appreciate it very much. Simon Cuff, what is up? Thank you for becoming a member at the Army of Asgard level. We got Snow Goblin saying, hail Joe Dog, hailing as well. Keely Chow saying, Are are you also going to talk about this past weekend's box office numbers? Not tonight, most likely. Um, just because there's not a whole lot to tell. I know that some of the big news coming out of the weekend was the fact that it looked like there was a a battle going on between the uh, Beekeeper and Mean Girls, but let me go ahead and actually pull up my weekend chart here. Mean Girls actually did end up edging out, so the original estimates were that Beekeeper got number one, Mean Girls got number two. When the actuals came out, turns out Mean Girls got more than Beekeeper, therefore Mean Girls still ended in the number one spot. That's why whenever you have films that are very close in their estimates, especially when they're about $100,000 as far as differences, you always gotta wait for those actuals to be able to know, you know, exactly who got the number one spot or not. Either way, and I still stay and buy these, you know, the, the projections attached to what we were originally told you know, going into Sunday, right? Going through Sunday when the box office breakdown came out that I think that Mean Girls is maybe going to barely break even and make a little bit of profit, but it's still not going to be anything compared if it does anything compared to what you saw from the original film, right? It's going to be very, very small returns compared to the original film. And then for the beekeeper at this point, we still have no confirmed budget. Right. Anyone out there who's just going to throw around that random number that you found because Google told you that it was thirty four million dollars and then you have the source and it's just this random Indian site. That's not a legitimate resource. That's not a legitimate source. You always got to double check those things. I've made these mistakes, too. And as of right now, there is still no actual legitimate reporting about what the beekeeper actually caught. So until then, it's hard for us to know. Um, right now, if the budget was $40 million, then it might actually be able to make its money back, make a little bit of profit. It's still not going to be a massive moneymaker, though. So, still having also strongholds. Can't deny that either. Anyway, for Sci-Fi, what's going on? Member on the chat... Appreciate you being here. G Monkey says, Hope you and the family are doing well. A little off topic, but have you seen the Ministry of... Ent- I already talked about that. JS Peña, what is going on? Kinkan Rumski over on Rumble says, Are you sure you can make an accurate top ten at this point? I am absolutely sure, because there is one film that, if it was going to be anywhere, would have been on my top ten worst films of the year list, but I have no plans to see it, because I don't want to waste my time with The Meg 2. Kinkan Rumski. Stop trying to make The Meg 2 a thing. Orange Chat says, you might get a big boost in ballots. Odin shared the ballot link around a little. Very nice. Thank you, Orange Chat. I appreciate that. Ambrose, one of the 50 new members here. King Ayn Rumsky over on Rumble says, did you say Megacon? Yeah, there he is. Still obsessed with the Meg 2. Ikthulu, what's going on? Hope you and the family are well and enjoying this winter. I'm loving it. It got really warm last week uh, after we had that really cool snow and ice and everything. And I didn't like that. I really didn't like how it got warm. But it's gotten cold once again. There was some frost on the car this morning, which I always appreciate. was actually able to make like a little tiny snowball from from the ice and was able to to leave that on on my wife's car. And then baby Thor was able to find it. And uh, he loved it. It says, I wrote in Cocaine Bear for every category. Luckily, after submitting the votes, they easily scrubbed out with Windex elbow grease. (laughs) Gosh. Keely Chow, they grow up so fast. Truly, truly, they do. It's kind of crazy. Kelly Chow says, be careful with saying that name because Anna will show up. What name is that? I didn't mention Avatar. <laughs> I know Henry Cavill is the name that you're referring to. Thank you again for using that member chat, um, but I assume you'd be talking about Avatar, right? And then the battle we were, we were originally going to have, the, the battle and the debate over whether or not Avatar is a good movie, whether or not oh, what was the other one? The Shape of Water was a good movie? Yeah, she has some questionable taste, a couple of things there. But I I, I, I go back to the point, because she is an artist, right? Because she is very artistically inclined, I totally understand why she thinks that the films are great, because artistically, they are quite beautiful. Doesn't make the films actually good, though, objectively, as far as like story and just other basic elements. So, Laura, the modern major general in the chat, what is going on? Appreciate you being here. Abomination said, chance of a billion is zero without people seeing part one first to get interest in part two. That's another good point, too, Abomination, right? So you go back to the box office for that. And then you look to the fact that, yes, I do think the audience has increased. So I actually do think, Abomination, that there's going to be an increase in overall box office. I would not be surprised to see this film get to that half billion number, for instance, or more. What I don't see, though, is it increasing enough to be able to be close to that billion-dollar, you know, mark, and again, it just goes back to I look at the trailer and I think this is amazing, but it's not really something that a lot of people are talking about. And then, you know, some people might also think, well, Timothy Chalamet, you know, <laughs> Timothy Chalamet is in it. Uh, people might want to, you know, add their own things to that, but Timothy Chalamet is in it, and that might bring a younger audience out. But that just really hasn't happened in anything. He's necessarily been in right. Wonka is only successful not because of him, but because it's just a non-offensive, inoffensive film for families that are craving content that they feel safe bringing their kids to, you know. But yeah, Let's see, Abomination says I tried both generations of Dune, just can't get into it. That's the other thing. Yeah, that's exactly what I was talking about, Ambrose. Right, some people are. are it's just it's it is an IP. That is not universal in in scope. It's just it's not going to be an IP that's going to bring everybody in. Um, my wife is now interested in it. She actually listened to the first book and part of the second book, and so she wants to watch the, the, the she wants to watch part one now in, in preparation for part two, but. My wife is also a like sci-fi fantasy nerd, right? She loves Harry Potter books. Has been obsessed with them ever since she was young. You know, read them, you know, as they were coming out, you know, and obviously th- thought the movies were okay. Uh, on Criticlist, actually, she she's jumped on the platform there now and has left her own reviews, and it's been fun. Uh, you know, it's been fun watching films with her now because now the first thing that we do when the film is over is we jump straight over to Criticlist and work on our reviews, and then we just enjoy reading what we write because you know. We're married, so we make each other laugh or roll our eyes sometimes. All right, CM Chunk. He is quite chunky. Dune was also released on HBO Max the same day. Ah, yes, CM Chunk. Yes, that is also true. Uh, But also remember, when it comes to streaming back in 2021, just because something was available online did not guarantee that it would be successful there, right? How many people can we honestly say watched it online that had no plans to ever see it in theaters, right? You could say that it was the most watched or the most streamed movie for that week, right, or for that day or whatever the metric might be used for, but that does not equate to people going out to spend money on a movie ticket, especially with how much and how expensive movie tickets are now, especially because of how much concessions are now, right? There's not a one-to-one you know, ratio there. And it really also has to be said, and I've mentioned this previously in so many, you know, the articles that I've been writing for Geeks and Gamers and the box office breakdowns, budget, budget, budget. And these films are obviously a lot lower budget compared to anything from Disney, right? The fact that the first Dune only cost 160 million is is quite impressive for the effects. I, I mean, just the sandworm alone was was amazing as far as how they were able to, to craft that and how they're able to render that image. But we again have to be able to recognize that that excuse can only take us ever so far because the same excuse was also used for black widow. And I don't think any of us would ever say that that film would have been a huge success had the film not had a day and date release on Disney plus. So it can, it can only account for a portion. It really can only account for a portion Let's see, Rob D says, Hello, Odin, I agree on Dune 2, not likely to hit a billion. Dune is not super popular. In 2015 to 2019 box office numbers, days are behind us. Again, very, very true, absolutely. Kimberly G, I saw Dune at home myself. And that's the other factor with the streaming is that, yes, you might have people more interested in it because they did see it day and date back in, you know, 2021, but you then also have a lot of those people saying, oh, I can't wait to see Dune Part 2, when it gets released on Max, or, you know, if there's a deal with another streaming service, because obviously, you know, the streamers are crazy these days. A lot of people are thinking, hey, I want to see it, but do I need to see it right now? So that's, again, why that day and date excuse just doesn't actually hold up to scrutiny. Snow Gollum says, I don't think a billion is in the cards for Dune 2, but you can hope. Absolutely. If the film is good you know, if it's better, I hope it's better than the first film. I like, I really do like the first film a lot. I really do enjoy it. It does, it did have some issues, especially the cutoff point. So I, I hope that this film is able to, you know, I- improve. Uh, and you know, obviously, to match the original, it's always good. You always want a sequel, continuation of a story, to to reach and then to exceed what that first film laid down, kind of the groundwork that that first film was able to lay down. Um, but you also just want to be able to uh, just, just have a fun movie, right? So I really do hope that, that that is the case. And so if the film is good and the film, you know, I would obviously love for the film to get it to a billion dollars if that's the case. But obviously, we have to wait for that. Your average major nerd says, I've been to MegaCon a few times when I lived in Florida. It's a good con and a lot of fun. I got to meet Christopher Lloyd there once. I wish I could be there uh, this year, have a safe trip. Yeah, I-, I wish that I could make it in earlier because on Thursday, there's a Back to the Future panel. And as you all know, I'm a huge fan of the Back to the Future franchise. And you have the original actors, including Christopher Lloyd, who are going to be there and it would have just been really cool to be able to somehow be able to go to that. But there's just no way with work um, and with everything else, with family as well, to, to make it happen. So it's just going to be a very quick trip. This is the same thing I ended up doing, you know, the last time that I went because of obviously family and work obligations. But yeah, I'm excited. I am excited to, to be able to, to still be around. Hardwick says, I found someone online who is a family member of one of the real-life members of the Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare and asked how accurate the movie looks based off of the trailer. The person is looking forward to the movie, but said, always like a novel with you, dude. But said, Gus March Phillips, who Cavill is playing, had no criminal record in Cavill and Richards. characters were lean and wiry in real life. Gotcha. Maximus, what's going on? Welcome. Abomination says, it got warm enough to flood one of the roads out here. That was fun. Oof. Oof, oof, oof. Keely Chow, Henry Cavill, dang. Dang it, yeah. Your average, yeah, I, I know, I know. I, I figured it out, Keely. Your average Richard Nerd says, wasn't Dune released on streaming on the same day? Yeah, I just talked about that. Michael Burgett says, I'm curious about if you have seen the trailer for the Dev Patel film, Monkey Man. Patel is both starring and directing in the film Jordan Peele is producing. It does give off John Wick vibes. I've not seen it. I think I saw a poster for it floating around. So who knows? Could, could have some potential, but... Uh, you know, Dev Patel can sometimes be hit hit and miss. I guess this might be his directorial debut, maybe. So sometimes those can be good for, from some actors. But having Jordan Peele attached to it is, again, th- that's where the hit and miss really comes to mind with, with that. Because Jordan Peele, I think, is very talented in a lot of ways. But he's just so focused on race, unfortunately, that it, it kind of just gets so distracting. It really does. Right, says. In your opinion, is there any chance that James Gunn DCU will be any good? I don't think so. I really don't, because you can try to bring up. Well, the only good MCU films that have come out over the last several years have been the Guardians movies. Okay, but Guardians one is phenomenal, right? Guardians one is still a film I go back to, you know, time and time again. It's still a film that my wife and I will randomly watch, you know, once maybe twice a year. I've never wanted to rewatch the second one. I know that some people out there do like it, but I've never really wanted to rewatch it. And then the third one, again, it was fine, but same thing. I, I just have no desire to rewatch it either. So I, I have to look to those, and I have to obviously speak from my own experience with that. And also the fact that the only DC film or the only DC properties that I have from from James Gunn to go off of are some of the worst things. I, I mean, The Suicide Squad was garbage. It was so bad. <laughs> And I had so much hype for it. I had so much excitement because he was James Gunn, right? It's like, oh, this is the dude that did Guardians, you know, it was great. Guardians Two, not as great, but still fun. Man, okay, can't wait to see what he does with this property. Maybe we'll finally get a, a proper DC film. And turns out, no, we. It was uh oh, has so many issues, so many problems. Um, and then add to that the uh, the show that he was a part of you know, of creating as well which I think I've just kind of blanked from my mind, the John Cena show, which I just, I'm sorry. I, based off of those things specifically, I don't see. I don't see them being successful. The DC properties in general have never been huge moneymakers to the box office, and a big part of that's not because of how much box office they made, but because of how big the budgets were in comparison to what they were making. Right, you had MCU costing a lot of money as well, but making a lot more, and and making several more, in fact. Peacemaker, Ambrose, thank you, again. Really didn't care to even remember it, but I do appreciate the reminder. Um, and I, yeah, I'm kind of just over it. Kind of just over it. So, I'm, I'm hoping that, <laughs> I'm hoping that it fails quickly, so that they can say, let's just put this on ice for five years at least. To actually get a proper reboot in with people who are a bit more apt to, to be able to take this. Because even if James Gunn has a lot of good ideas, even if James Gunn has a lot of good you know, prospects, ultimately you also still have to deal with the fact that you have the same people running the DCU, to my knowledge, right outside of him. So a lot of the same people that are involved and just nothing from the DC universe has has been worthy of talking about. So, anyway, let's see. We still got about thirty people watching on YouTube. A little bit smaller tonight, but hey, it's okay. It's okay. It's fine. Not the biggest of topics, I suppose, in the world, especially at the end of January. But let's go ahead and dive into the top ten movies of twenty twenty three. And of course, it wouldn't be me without a PowerPoint presentation. Okay, I'm a teacher. It's a habit of mine to do this. And and also, I remember trying to do my list through CriticList. And as obviously, as much as I love CriticList. There's no way of being able to show those lists without, you know, spoiling and, and just having to, to worry a whole lot about everything going on. So I made a PowerPoint in my top movies of 2023. But just like with anything, too, not just do I have a PowerPoint, but we're going to start off with some honorable mentions, right? So there's a lot of—honestly, 2023 had a lot of really good movies. I know that uh, the last several years, it seems a lot of people have been down on the films that have been coming out. And I totally understand why, because it just definitely seems like there are a lot of of projects that are either missing the mark or are are, are just downright garbage, right? <laughs> this is still the same year that gave us the Marvels, that gave us Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, right, amongst so many others. And so I just want to also just remind everybody that there's still some really good movies that, that come out, all right? So my honorable mentions, and so these are not necessarily in any particular order, uh, because these really could go back and forth in, in a lot of ways. But my first honorable mention is going to be the film Attack of the Dock. It is a documentary uh, that was made by Chris Gore about Attack of the Show. And just the history behind it about G4. You know, just a lot of behind-the-scenes uh, stuff and, and explanations. Chris Gore, I think, did a really good job. The only real issue I had with the movie, and this is not really anyone's fault... Because the footage that they have of the show... I believe was either recorded or filmed on tape or something like that. So the quality is not very good. And it's something where no amount of money is going to be able to ever really fix that. Just because of the nature of of how the show was was stored or how the show was recorded. Again, I I forget exactly what the medium was. But that was really the only major issue I had with it was was those sequences. Because I noticed it right away. But it was something very forgivable. All the scenes that were shot... You know, of either Chris Gore or some of the others involved with the project were very good. So, I did did definitely really enjoyed it and think that it's well worth a watch. Another uh, honorable mention is The Boy and the Heron, Miyazaki, uh, coming out of retirement once again, making a beautifully animated movie. There's a lot of really beautiful themes in this. I do think that this one is just a bit on the uh, too heady side of it, right? Just a a little bit too much going on. I think that... uh, you know, Miyazaki I was just being a, maybe a bit too philosophical in this one. There was a lot of moments where we were kind of just, you know, my wife and I, who are big fans of Miyazaki, big fans of his other, of his other work, kind of scratching our heads a little bit. It was kind of hard for us to get into it in the same way that we could with many of his other ones. It's still a really good movie, though. It's still so well animated. The animation, of course, is, is going to be beautiful when you have Studio Ghibli, when you have uh, Miyazaki. That's just going to always be a given. But then the story is actually very good also. So The Boy and the Heron, highly recommend that film. Another honorable mention is Gran Turismo. Very fun movie. A film that did make money at the box office. Just was not able to get a whole lot of attention. I think that it was Critical Drinker who actually gave a very, very, uh, very good review of the film. And was really able, I think, to get a lot of people interested in it. What they were able to do with the budget, with the visual effects, was was, was fantastic. And also, it's about a game I've never played and never had any interest in playing. Because I don't really care that much about racing. And yet, it was able to do what Ford v Ferrari was able to do a few years back as well. Which was make me care about the people. And actually care about the race. So, Gran Turismo... Definitely a great film that came out last year. Uh, Equalizer 3 is the next one. Very fun. I'm a big fan of the Equalizer franchise. Dezel Washington playing, you know, playing a badass is just always going to be fun to watch. And this movie, to be honest, has some of, the, some of my favorite cinematography of the entire franchise. And actually, some of my favorite cinematography maybe even of the year. And it's less so because of the composition of the shots and, and anything like that, but more so because they chose one of the most Beautiful places to, to shoot this movie. And it honestly felt like a character in and of itself. This this little town that they decided to shoot in on location. And it was it was beautiful. So I, I would say Equalizer 3, definitely worth your watch. Definitely something that you you should check out because it's if for anything else, makes you want to go. To where they filmed this movie because it was fantastic. Another honorable mention this is gonna probably anger some people, right? Sound of Freedom. I wanted to put this film on my top 10. There were just 10 other movies that for me were, were just a bit better. Again, Sound of Freedom, I think, is definitely the most important film that came out in 2023. So I have to just get that out of the way. There is nothing more important than what this film exposes. And I think the film was also done very well. But there's always going to be reasons as to why certain films don't get on my top 10 list. So for Equalizer 3, it was some of the CG and some of the effects just did not work, did not look very good. For Sound of Freedom, it was kind of the ending, actually. I think... They should I really don't think they should have added on that that extra sequence of events that happens after they they bust the the you know the the child predator ring. After they after they have all of the things happening on the island, which when you find out the real story, you find out that there was like two other locations, I believe, that they were raiding at the same time. So there was so much that they could have done even more with that rather than doing something that actually was completely made up. And I think that actually kind of hurt the story a bit because it's it's already it's based off a true story. It's based off of actual things happening right now in our world. And I think it would have been so much more powerful to just focus on an end, especially because the film did not need to be as long as it ended up being, by adding on and tacking on something that's not actually true that didn't actually happen. I think that it, it then brings in that problem that most films have that are based off of true events where you start to question you know most you you start to question other things related to the movie and that's not what this film needed it did not need people questioning the reality of it because this is stuff that is actually happening so again i think that it's a great film i think it is a very you know important film but i also think that the filmmaker should not have added on that that last sequence that actually didn't didn't actually happen all right next film is nefarious Love this movie. Love, love, love this movie. It has the same promise out of freedom, though. The ending kind of throws things off a cliff. This film is beautifully written, beautifully shot. Uh, Sean Patrick Flannery, he is nominated for breakout performance at the Ravens this year, and I honestly think that he deserves it for, for the role, for what he did in this performance, because if you've seen Sean Patrick Flannery in Boondock Saints, obviously we, we love him in that role, but I think this one, he honestly shines so brightly and his performance is so raw, his performance is so powerful. Not to mention, it's the most accurate take on what possession is like, what possession, you know, a demonic influence, demonic possession, demonic obsession. It kind of just goes through the theology of, of what this is like. And it's able to do so in a way that's so non-Hollywood, right? Most Hollywood films with demonic possessions are the spitting head nonsense, right? And this one's a psychological thriller featuring most of the film itself, being two people talking to each other. And it's just so profound and, and so deep. I remember seeing this movie in theaters and all the trailers were all these trashy R-rated movies. And I felt almost like, like, like that was a, you know, it was a demonic sign of just w- what they did not want this movie to succeed. They You hear about some of the stories too about the making of this movie. And there was, it was clear that something, or someone at least, was working behind the scenes trying to make sure this film was not made or had the very difficult time being made. And when you actually see the film, you kind of understand why they would not want this kind of movie out there. The ending does kind of throw things off a cliff, right? Whether or not you're a fan of, of Glenn Beck or not, it narratively does not work. So the, the film ends, right, with this great climatic moment. Which is also, you know, a violent moment where you may not want kids to watch it necessarily. It's not, you know, overly graphic per se, but it's an electrocution. So, you know, is what it is. But then all of a sudden it shifts right over to the character in the movie being interviewed by Glenn Beck, playing Glenn Beck. And so, even if you are a fan of his, and I have no issue with him personally... It's one of those things where you're like, what in the world? Why is this? And again, people people have explained it away in the comment section on my review of that movie to to no end. And it still doesn't change the fact that narratively, it's like hitting a brick wall and it just does not work. But the rest of the film is phenomenal. Gotta be on my honorable mentions. The last film on my honorable mentions is a film I honestly did not expect that I would like. Because I, I did not like the last film that Scorsese did. I, I thought The Irishman was was not good. I thought it was incredibly boring. I just could not take the terrible makeup and terrible visual effects, the quote-unquote de-aging effects. But uh, Killers of the Flower Moon was actually a very good movie. It, it was almost, to me, like a return to form for Scorsese. I thought that he did such a a, a brilliant job of creating and crafting this movie, casting this movie, I think that everyone involved with it did a stellar job. Most people, or I, th- I can understand why a lot of people may not like the film, because it is on the long side. It is boring, um, or I, c- I can see how some people could think of it as being boring. This is a movie, though, that every time I kept watching it, I wanted to keep watching it, because I just wanted to be able to to, to keep on chewing on the just the incredible talent that Scorsese has as a director. It's completely on display in this movie, and this film absolutely is a film, I think, well worth checking out. So those are my honorable mentions. All right, let's go ahead and get into the meat of t- meat and potatoes of, of the stream tonight. And let's get into our top 10 list here. Once we get through our top 10, we will then jump into the comment section. So please make sure you smash that like button. Share this video out as well for anyone that you think likes movies, top 10 lists, or anything like that. And let's go ahead and jump right into it. So my number 10 movie of 2023 is The Creator. This movie was uh, Breathtaking. Uh, The film was made on about an $80 million budget and yet the visual effects of the film were so well designed, so well rendered, that it puts to shame films with much higher budgets like that of Rebel Moon and and Zack Snyder, right? Um, It it honestly is, on top of that, also a very compelling story and the relationship that is being built between the main character and this this AI child is also, I think, very well done. It's not quite the the movie that I was hoping it to be. I think that there are definitely some moments as the film goes on, as the, as the story continues to progress, where you kind of wish there was maybe a bit more there. There was more there, there, I guess you could say. But overall, I think that cinematography is beautiful. Visual effects are gorgeous. The acting is top-notch. And it honestly is a refreshing story to see In many ways, because of it showing not just a positive male role model, but also that relationship, especially. Not to mention a completely breathtaking performance from from the child actress uh, who, who is in this movie, who does such a great job as that AI character. And I think it was actually her first time ever acting. So when you can do that, honestly... It's, it's always great to see. So number 10 goes to the creator. The number nine movie on my list goes to Guy Reaches The Covenant. As I mentioned, I knew these films were going to make it onto my list. The Guy Ritchie films from 2023. Honestly, I love this movie. I think that it shows Guy Ritchie can do war movies. There's a great sequence that happens towards the end of the film where all hell breaks loose. That's where it, for me, is not just an amazing moment... But it also has a couple issues too, right? There's some CGI elements that don't quite look too great. But because of how it's presented and the actors involved, you just immediately go like, yeah, you're just so excited that that the things are going down as they're going down. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, phenomenal actor, the supporting actor there as well. Again, I, I hate that I've forgotten his name, but he also does a great job. And to me, it's also an important story because it tells something that most people don't really think about, right? We think about how the United States has been involved in Iraq, in Afghanistan, and all these different countries. And there are so many you know, operatives that, that we have, so many um, human resources that we have that are from the countries that we were you know, essentially occupying in a lot of ways who helped us through that process. And in this case, it deals with the translator and just what he goes through and the risks that he put his family through as well. Adding that to the drama of the story of, of him trying to save the life of Jake Gyllenhaal's character as a U.S. soldier, it's very compelling. And I think it ends in such a way to where some people might see some type of political messaging in there. But to me, it's one of those political messages where everyone should, if they have a heart, get behind. Which is, yeah, we screwed over a lot of people by promising them uh, help, promising them assistance, and then not actually delivering it after they risked everything to, to help us. Um, Human Assets uh, is I think one of the words I was looking for there, but The Covenant is just fantastic, great film and Guy Ritchie, he had another great year in cinema, my number 8 movie goes to Godzilla Minus 1, All right, I can also now hear some other people probably getting a little crazy here too, because they were like how is Godzilla not your number 1 movie how is it not even in your top 3, your top 5 I really enjoyed Godzilla Minus 1, you all know this, big fan of it, been promoting it quite a bit as well for a $15 million dollar budget, some of the best visual effects, even better in, in certain respects than the creator, which had a much higher budget. I think the use of the effects is, is also fantastic as well. Uh, the fact that the director and the, uh, you know the director was able to be so involved in that process, I think the, the entire visual effects team was what maybe four people, if even, um, maybe maybe slightly more potentially. And then you compare that to the massive teams of animators and the massive teams of different departments that are part of that CGI animation process for, like, massive Disney films, and it just puts them to shame, right? It shows you also that the problem is clearly the major studios and and how much waste there is and how much bloat there is in those systems when you can have a film like Godzilla Minus One, put them all to shame, give you a great story – This is another reason why I love this movie, why it's on my top 10 list. So don't forget, just because it's not my top 5 does not mean it is not still yet on my top 10 list and why it is absolutely phenomenal, right? Um, It's actually a good Godzilla movie, and we have not gotten a good Godzilla film in quite a long time. I'm calling out the MonsterVerse there. Those films have not been good. You might enjoy the the chaos and and the violence and everything, but the human stories suck any potential out of those films, right? Not to mention just CGI fest. This film not only gives you satisfying, you know, uh, well crafted CGI, well animated, well designed character in obviously in Godzilla, but it also gives you a very compelling, very powerful human story to boot, and that's something that the franchise as a as a whole, right, the whole Godzilla films that have been coming out since 2014 specifically, have been missing quite a bit. Godzilla Minus One, phenomenal movie. Highly recommend that film as well. But there were some other films that I enjoyed a little bit more for different reasons, All right, So let's go ahead and jump in now to my top seven. So the number seven spot here goes to John Wick Chapter 4. This is a movie I thought honestly would have ended up a little bit higher on my list, but it it is what it is. This is a movie that I think is, just like previous films, very well uh, directed. I think that, what they are able to do with Keanu Reeves, what they're able to do with the stunt teams especially, shout out to the stunt teams. There is no stunt team, I think, in any film working harder. You know, Tom Cruise is working hard, obviously, and the people involved with the Mission Impossible films are working hard, but I think the people in John Wick's world are working a lot harder with some of the sequences in this film, especially. Whoever had to roll down those stairs, whoever had to roll down the stairs, you know, serious shout out to you, right? Because that that's just crazy but the fact that all of their action sequences were able to feel like something different and something unique from the way that the, the 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 sequences were shot from the events happening in the shots themselves there's this beautiful sequence that happens i think it was in the osaka um continental where you have like this overhead shot happening and it is just ah oh, some of the best filmmaking that 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 happened in 2023 of course, you have Keanu doing his thing. You've got, I think, some of the, the some of the best action that I've seen in John Wick film, specifically in the Osaka Continental. I love bringing the swords in. I, I just, as you all know, I'm a big fan of Japanese culture. I'm a big fan of Japanese films. So I think having that those elements brought into this movie, in addition to all the other lore building that this film continues on with, is great. It does have some faults, though. It does go a little bit long uh, from time to time. But the reason why I put this over Godzilla minus one is because I would rather watch God. Sorry, I'd rather watch John Wick Chapter Four again because of how much fun I have with the film than Godzilla minus one. I have fun with both of them. I have a bit more fun, though, with John Wick Chapter 4. So that's why that film gets a little bit higher on my list. All right, the number six spot for me goes to Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1. Terrible title for a movie. I know that they've changed it since it's gotten released onto uh, the streaming services, but uh, Mission Impossible, this was was such a fun movie. This was also a film, when it came out, I thought was going to end up being a lot higher on my list because I really enjoyed it. I honestly don't quite understand obviously I know the practical reasons as to why this happened why more people didn't see this movie and I think the title is probably a part of that when they released it probably a part of that being a part one of a story and people kind of being tired of that may be a part of it as well I think the biggest reason is ultimately because of when they released it and and just the way in which they did it but ultimately it's still a great film it is still so much fun uh, Tom Cruise still you know still doing an amazing job as as an actor slash stuntman right with some of the craziest stunts that we've we've seen the fact that he jumped off a cliff on a bike and then did parachuting and then he did all that himself and we did it what three or four times just to get the shot right that's dedication even though he's crazy in real life he has complete dedication to to the films that he does he has such a love for the craft he has such a love for for filmmaking and i remember when that when that audio came out of him just totally chewing out the people on set for not following the rules, and his mindset was, he wants like, hey, we want to make this movie, and you are endangering the jobs of everyone on set, and you are endangering this project from being able to go forward. Um, you know, I think that it's it definitely is something where there's just so many, so many special things in this movie, some great action sequences. The only, you know, some of the issues that were in the film, I think were, some of the CGI elements were bad. I I think the CGI actually hurt, this movie, um, more so than some of the other films. For instance, that that one amazing shot of him jumping off the cliff. The fact that we know he went off a ramp and they had to CGI the the cliff onto it, it makes the stunt look actually fake. And so even though we know it's real and though we can see the footage clearly that it's it's completely real, some of those CG elements did take away from the danger. Uh, there's also a sequence that happens in the train where the CGI kind of takes away from the, the severity of what's going on in, in, in that sequence. So, directing, though, a very fun movie, and still one of the best films to come out in 2023. All right, now we're getting into the top five movies. These are my, my favorite films of the year, and I'm sure there might be some surprises in here, maybe some not-so-surprises, especially if you've been following me now for the last several weeks. But my number five choice goes to Tetris. That's right, the Apple TV Plus movie That most people still have not seen, unfortunately, because it's stuck behind Apple TV+. Plus. Should have been released in theaters. Should, at this point, have a physical media release. Drive me crazy that that's not the case. And it's great. The thing that I love about this movie and, and why it got into my top five is because it's a movie about Tetris. It's a movie about a game where you move blocks around and where the origins of this game came from. And yet, you realize, oh my gosh how much effort needed to happen to get this to get this game to get the ip for this game out of the soviet union and so it turns into like a spy thriller uh there's at one point a car chase that's when that's like the one issue i have is it kind of goes a little bit too crazy with the, with the car chase so i'm like wait why is there a car chase happening right now but everything else about it is great taron egerton also who who plays the lead in this movie he has done such a phenomenal job Uh, recently with with the roles he's taken on, with the performances that he's given. And this is another strong performance from him. You add to that great supporting cast. And again, the fact that he made me care, that the the writer and the directors of this movie, the director and the writers of this film were able to make me care about the origins of Tetris and this guy winning, right? This guy somehow being able to get the deal done, right? The, The fact that they're able to make that thrilling... You know, again, they do add some cheap elements there with the whole car chase stuff. But most of it outside of that is not relying on that kind of stuff. And it's just a lot of fun. So if you've never not seen Tetris, you really should. I've talked about this before that if you're part of the Discord server, if you're not yet a part of it, please join it. I do plan on trying to do some watch parties for some of these movies because whereas I know most people have seen Godzilla Minus One, have probably seen John Wick, a lot of people probably haven't seen films like The Creator or like Tetris. And since I know that it is, you know, a movie that's gotten, I think it got maybe one nomination at at the Ravens this year because of my amazing uh, Ravens committee on critic list this year, Um, it's a film that I think people should see. So, Tetris, that is my number five movie here on my top ten list. Now going into the number four spot, we have Suzume. This is an anime. This film was released, I believe, in Japan, uh, technically in 2022, but... The American release was not tw- until 2023 and so it still counts for this year as I am going here off of American release date, uh, North American release date. And Suzume is a, it's a beautiful anime. It is uh, so, so compelling. It, it tells the story of, of a young girl who comes across a guy who is is trying to close these random doors that are popping up and chaos is coming through them and it threatens Japan. And... This is from a an amazing director. This is from the same director and writer and, and creator of films like Your Name, Weathering With You as well. And I think he's just so talented, both from uh, what he's able to get out of the animated sequences, what he is able to do as far as storytelling is concerned, and some of the characters. It, he makes you care about all the characters that he creates, and obviously a lot of them do focus on on you know kind of the the leads and the main characters being these young you know you know younger you know kind of at the brink of adulthood uh women who are all going through something different right all trying to deal with the different you know consequences of life but makoto shinkai just does a great job so he he wrote and directed this movie um he i think was also a part of the the animation process as well but it is just, again, it's one of those movies that I really cannot wait to to watch again and to watch again with with my wife because she's been a, a pretty big fan of his, you know, he really, she really liked your name. She liked Weathering With You. The one issue I had with this film actually was the voice acting for the English dub. Uh, and again, you all know I'm team subtitle all the way, team sub all the way. Uh, unfortunately, this film was only available for me to watch in a dubbed version. And the English voice actress for the main character of Suzume did not do a very good job. And, and that part of it was so annoying because I was loving the film so much. And then every time that her character spoke, I just kept getting this like grating. Like, why am I getting annoyed by you? It's not you. It's not your characterization. It's not the writing. Oh, wait, it's, gotta, it's the voice actress doing it. Um, but Suzume is just, a, it's a beautiful film. I definitely think well worth your time. All right, now getting into the top three films of 2023 for Odin. So the number three spot is going to Operation Fortune, Ruse de Guerre. This is the second Guy Ritchie film on my list. This was a movie, as I said, when I first saw it earlier in the year, I was like, all right, this right now is my favorite film uh, that I've seen so far. And so in a year where this film originally, you know, at the early... Creation of my list in my head. You know, John Wick chapter four and Operation Fortune Rostaguer. We're we're kind of going back and forth in different ways uh, because I had not seen a lot of these other films yet. They hadn't come out yet. But Rooster Gare is so much fun from the very beginning. It starts with one of these uh, an amazing sequence where the cinematography and the editing are working with the beat of the music that's playing. And it's just one of those time. It's just one of those things that you just appreciate the more that you watch it, the more that you think about it. You then add to the fact that you have Josh Harton in this movie who gives a great performance. You have Hugh Grant once again stealing the show. This, this dude, since The Gentleman, especially since 2019's Gentleman, he has just been knocking it out of the park. And the movie is just so much fun to watch. And that's why it's, it's, it's my top three. It's my number three uh, favorite film of the year because ultimately it's just a lot of fun. It's not as good as The Gentleman, I still think The Gentleman is the best Guy Ritchie film that he has made. You know, as far as like when he kind of started this this new era of Guy Ritchie, if I can even say that. But he seems to have like this set universe of of actors that he's working with in in this stage of his career, and I think it's great. I think Hugh Grant especially is is one of the best things that they have done uh, that he has has been able to like bring about in these films. So Operation Fortune Ristaguirre is is fantastic, and it's in my top three. Love this movie. And I cannot wait to see, uh, now that I've been able to see the trailer for the film that he has this year, I can't wait to see what he is able to do next. It's also the rare time where Jason Statham actually makes a movie worth watching. Unlike The Meg 2. Shout out to... King Ken Rumsky. Anyway. Alright, now we're down to business with the top two movies. So what is going to be my number one? What is going to be my number two? Do you think you know the answer? Maybe you do, maybe you don't. If you've been following me on CriticList, you know the answers probably already. But my number two film of the year is a film I guarantee most of you have not seen, and it breaks my heart that you haven't, because it really is a phenomenal movie, and that is The Holdovers. That's right, an indie film that is now actually available on streaming. It's actually even getting some mainstream awards contention right now. Paul Giamatti is in this film. He does a phenomenal job, and it tells the story where, especially over this winter time. It's just fun to watch. It's almost cozy to watch. It's almost cozy to watch because a lot of it is taking place at this university, um, or sorry, at this at this boarding school where the holdovers themselves, right, that name is talking about that there are some children that don't have parents to go home to over Christmas because either their parents are in another country and they can't travel back to them or because their parents are too busy for them. And, and so it basically is just telling this incredible story, and it is, you know, diving deep into the, you know, one of the specific, you know, lead characters, who's one of the students here, just what he's gone through in his life, what he's currently going through, you then go a little bit also into finding out more about Paul Giamatti's character as the teacher, and most of the students, of course, just hating him because he's this this hardline, hardball teacher, it's probably another reason why I'm very much drawn to this movie, because... Of the fact that I can just associate with <laughs> Paul Giamatti's character so much as being a teacher. Um, and it is just honestly a great journey. It's one of those films, too, where it's not gonna, you know, it's not gonna have that flashy action sequence like a John Wick chapter four. It's not gonna have that amazing CGI that you have in a Godzilla minus one, but it's story and dialogue that to me is so well crafted that you just enjoy every moment. It's also funny. That's the thing I think people kind of maybe miss out or don't know about this movie is that it's not a comedy, but it is written so cleverly that there's so many moments that you're just laughing and you're just laughing because you're enjoying the ride. You're enjoying the experience. You're enjoying the conversation happening between these two, uh, these two characters. And if you've not seen The Holdovers, highly recommend it. Definitely a film. I plan on having a watch body for because I really do think it's a film that people should be checking out. And that means that my number one film of 2023, again, you should all be able to figure out what that film is at this point in time. And I've been seeing you troll it in the chat, people, and I love you. You've been trying to say, it's got to be Barbie. It's got to be Barbie. It's got to be Oppenheimer. No, 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 no. Oppenheimer, most one of the most overrated films of the year. Barbie, one of the worst films of the year. But no, my favorite movie of 2023, this one hits very, very, very close to the heart, and that is The Iron Claw. Oh my goodness, how much I love this movie. So, this film stars uh, Zac Efron playing one of the Von Ericks. This is the story of the Von Erick family. I highly recommend that you go into this movie. First off, you, that you see this movie. If it's playing in a theater near you, you know, make plans immediately to go watch it. Because that that's just how good this film is. But also, if you know nothing about the Von Erich family, don't look it up beforehand. I actually, even though I am a fan of wrestling, my fandom starts early 90s. Because I was born in the late 80s. And so my knowledge of wrestling is really Attitude Era, WWF. Right now, WWE. So I didn't know much about the Von Erics at all. And so I went in saying, oh, I can't wait to find out a bit more about them. And then you find out just how tragic their story is. I'm not going to go into more detail than that because it really is something that you should experience for yourself. And it just makes you – this film breaks your heart, makes you laugh, makes you just appreciate just the human condition. And it's a movie that if you're a wrestling fan, you will probably enjoy it that much more than if you're not a wrestling fan – but if you don't care for wrestling, you'll still be able to find enjoyment in it. It's still a well-made movie. It's still a story about brothers. It's a story about family. And that's something that transcends um, genre or transcends, you know, I guess I'm trying to think of the word for it. But it, it transcends the subject matter, I guess is, the, is, the, is what I'm saying, right? It doesn't matter that it's about a wrestling family. It doesn't matter that the wrestling is, is obviously part of the story because everyone can can associate and everyone can connect with the different family elements that happen because all of us have experienced tragedy. All of us have experienced the tensions that exist and build up the love, right? The familial bond that is formed, especially if you are a brother, right? And I'm someone who's who's blessed to have, I have a couple of brothers and it just makes you come out of the film loving life. It's one of those weird things where the film is so tragic, it's so sad and yet somehow you come out of the film loving life, feeling hopeful about life And then also just making you feel like you just saw something really, really special. And that's what this film was able to do. It made me feel special. It it was able to move me in such a way that most of the films this year and the other films on my list were not able to, right? As much as I do enjoy The Creator, Covenant, Gods 1, John Wick Chapter 4, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1, Tetris, Suzume, Operation Fortune, and The Holdovers, nothing this year moved me the way that The Iron Claw did. So that is my number one film of the year, Highly, highly recommend it. And let's just be honest, it is the best. No matter what anyone else says. But that's my top 10 list. What say you? I've I've been reading the comments, y'all have a lot to say. So let's go ahead and jump into the chat. Thank y'all for y'all's patience. I know that was a lot. Gary Banjo Sandwich, Worthington. What's going on? He says, as a member, American fiction watched it because of hype. It was very good film and funny. I agree. American fiction was a great film, and it almost made it onto my my list, but uh, the film, to me, the ending just does not leave it in a position to be, even in my honorable mentions. Maybe it's a movie where if I watch it again a second time, knowing the ending, maybe I'll actually enjoy it more, but the film is funny. I will say it's a film I think people should see. I do think people should see a, uh, American Fiction. It's just not a film that, to me, is on is on my list. It's not a movie that I feel like I really, you know, all the films on my list I think I could go back to. You know, that's not a movie I think I could I could go back to. Kelly Chas says I'm also a fan of the Back to the Future trilogy. Absolutely, Her sci-fi at the end of the day, it's still got Zendaya in it, and she's rather dull in everything that she does. I I don't personally get a lot of the animosity towards Zendaya. I'm not saying that it's not warranted because I haven't seen a lot of her stuff either. I thought that she was pretty solid in The Greatest Showman. Um, and I thought that she was okay in, in Dune Part 1. She didn't really have a lot to do in the first Dune. So, yeah. Gary Banjo says, Superman and Reacher team up. Oh yeah, that's right. It has the actor from Reacher in it. So it definitely looks pretty great. Uh, Michael Burgett says, it's the directorial debut for Patel. It definitely came across as that. Uh, Miss Modern Muses, welcome back. Miss Modern Muses, thank you for being here. Hardwick, time to say, I've seen the Monkey Man trailer. I'm not sold. It gives me a Bollywood John Wick ripoff feel. Patel looks like he's trying to beat Keanu Reeves and failing. Again, I haven't seen it, so I can't speak to it. Uh Gary Banjo Sandwich where it says Peacemaker was cool. I I didn't think so. Keep the chat. Speaking of DC, I watched Aquaman Lost Kingdom with my dad yesterday. Oh. God bless you. Orange Hat James Gunn is an automatic reason for me to skip future DC projects. Sorry, but that man should not be supported at all. He likes kids too much, and it's, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Now, I will say, I do think that there is, obviously, I've been critical of him before, and I think that it's deser- it's deserving of criticism, and I remember I got a lot of heat for my criticism of James Gunn, because I do think that there is a limit to jokes. I do think there are certain things that you shouldn't joke about Um, that that that, that, that should be criticized. And James Gunn is absolutely the kind of person that, that has done that. However, that does not mean that he has actually done anything. So that I, I won't go as far as to say those things. Let's see. Gary Banjo Sandwich says, Argyle is Superman, is Peacemaker. Team up, OMG. Ugh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, 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 have, I don't think I'm sold in Argyle, though. I really don't. Heartbreak Rage, what's going on, brother? Welcome back. Ambrose, is Attack of the Dock available to view? I believe so. Uh, Heartbreak Ridge says it's even on YouTube. Yeah, it's not. Um, let's see. Gary says yes, watch it free on YouTube. Okay, so Gary Banjisto says it is now free on YouTube. Yeah, definitely support it. Definitely support it. Excluder says, "Boo! Equalizer Three was top ten. Equalizer Three was good. It was very good, and it was it was in contention for a while. But when I finally sat down and and really started to think things through." It it didn't quite make it for me. Uh, the some of the CG elements, I definitely do think kind of held it back. Your average for dirt says I need to see that. I love Attack of the Show back in the day. Followed by Ninja Warrior from Japan. Nice, 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 nice. King and Rumskey try to say, do you do a top ten apostle list on PowerPoint for your class? <laughs> I don't, because by by the time that they're uh, by the year that I get to teach them. We're talking about morality. We're talking about Catholic social teaching. So we're beyond those those just bare basics. J.S. Pena say I'm having trouble ranking the best movies of the year on The Ravens. Vodi keeps saying, don't select more than one option per column, but I'm only picking one option. So yeah, it gives you that warning if you haven't completed all of them yet. So once you have completed all of them, then the error goes away. Because essentially it's to try to keep you from trying to rank number one twice. So make sure that you are only putting you know, one film at number one, one film at number two, etc. And once you do that, it will go away. Heartbreak Rich says, actor Neil McDonough just did an episode of Mike Rowe's podcast. He had a lot to say about his Catholic faith and his career, including recent work for Angel Films. Uh, very much worth your time. Oh, nice. Yeah, I I, I think I'd forgotten that Neil McDonough was actually a, a Catholic. I know that he was involved with The Shift, which I think is about to get released onto Angel Studios' App, so it's a film I missed in theaters. I, I definitely would like to check it out. Definitely not expendables. I have no desire to see expendables ever in my life. Okay, Chow, It's not easy being Catholic in Hollywood. Yeah, I mean, it's not easy being Christian in Hollywood. I would say it's especially not easy being being Catholic. Because let's be, again, I not to have a theological discussion here, there's been a big debate going on right now on, on Twitter uh, for a lot of different things. But what I will say is this, I think even if you are not Catholic, you would say, when it comes to morality, when it comes to moral teachings, there are a lot of things that Catholics hold to that many other Christian denominations do not hold to, especially in regards to things like contraception amongst, amongst others. And so there's a lot more reasons for Catholics to get hatred, um, which is sad. It really is. Let's see. Snowgolem so says, "Oh, I've been shocked by 110 before GFCI. Thankfully, I rolled a one on a 20d. The breaker was weak and tripped." Okay, didn't get that reference. Print screen. I still need to watch the Coven. Is great. Victor Fontaine, LOL, fell, fell asleep half through. The creator never finished it. Ah, oh, it's it's really good. Uh, Critical drinker also uh, gave a stellar review of that film. It's really good. Master Gaming says, Oh, no, you're sorry for the Ministry of Unforgettable Ge- uh, for Ungentleman Warfare. We talked about that earlier in the stream, so check that out there. Eklu says, eight. Wow, that was not a top, uh, that was not a top five. Shocks me. Yeah, for Godzilla Minus One, yeah. Again, it's a really good film. It's on my top 10 list. Don't don't ever forget that. Uh J.S. Pena says, Never mind I was assisted. Good. I I I, I got to that after the fact, but I appreciate I I am happy that you got assisted. The Abomination says, Godzilla minus one equals eight. Therefore, Godzilla equals nine. Dang. You're right. You are right. Number eight on my list. I suppose you're correct. Your average Patriot Nerd, who's a member, says, Godzilla minus one was fantastic. One of the few movies I was able to see in theaters. It absolutely was. Gary Badger said, Action is your jam. It is my jam, for sure. However, I think that you'll see, I also do appreciate the slower films. I do appreciate the, 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 the films with... You know, the solid acting, performances, and writing and and ones that don't have to rely on those extra things to be able to to still be compelling. Right? Abomination. Shad suddenly screaming about nunchucks, and he can keep on screaming. Icthulu, every time I see a clip of the stairs, I think of the Eddie Murphy skit my shoe. <laughs> I actually haven't seen that. Rita Fontaine, agree. The overhead shot with the dragon's breath was cool. Movie was a long and dragged in spots. And I think that's a valid criticism. And and that's why it did not end up higher on my list. But still, phenomenal film. Prince Green, who is a member, says, I personally thought John McFour was better than Mission Impossible 7. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair, too. As you can see, they were very close on my list, right? Those were the sixth and seventh spot. But to me, Mission Impossible is a much better made movie. I think that when we talk about it from a narrative standpoint, from a pacing standpoint, it, it's it's just it is a bit more professionally made. I think doesn't take anything away from John Wick Chapter Four, by the way, but has to be said. Gary Banchers says, "Good kick-ass films get you off the couch into theaters." That is very true. That's very true. So there's a good reason for action to you know kind of be those films that a lot of people are, are are drawn to. But that's why I do still appreciate you know the good actors, and that's why I I love promoting. As much as I love promoting films like Godzilla Minus One because I think it's great and should be seen, I also support films like The Iron Claw and Holdovers because those are phenomenal films that should be seen, too. Victor Fontaine says, dead, Rocketing, or dead Reckoning is no longer a part one. They are changing the name of the next movie. I know, but it doesn't matter. That's one of those things where it's like they can try to change it after the fact. The fact is still it's a part one story, and so <laughs> I will continue to dead name the film then. Master Gaming Oh, uh, I think Mission Impossible Day Reckoning should have released in September since it would have avoided competition from Barbenheimer. Uh, so, again, I think that it should have had a traditional release. I think that was the biggest, the biggest problem. Um, I think if it had released instead the same weekend as Dial of Destiny and had a Thursday release uh, schedule to be much, much more of a normal release schedule, I think that actually, and also being that much further out from Barbenheimer would have helped it out quite a bit. I don't think it would have had to go all the way there. Gary Badger says, OMG Tetris was a cool film. If you have not seen it, you are a fool. I agree. It's a film that is well worth watching. But again, I understand why you haven't seen it though, Gary. Because, you know, why people have it. Why other people have it. Because it is still stuck behind that paywall. And obviously we know there's, there's, there's many ways that one can can receive access to certain movies, of course. But, but does still need to be said. I can understand why it's harder for people to be able to, to do that. Hardwick, the Halo Jump and Mission Possible Fallout looked sort of fake at times too due to CGI Thunderstorm. Agreed. Agreed. Let's see. Operation Fortune was my 11th favorite film of 2023, says Michael Burgett. It's a great film. It's a great film. So much so that it, it made my top three. Victor Fontaine, Operation Fortune was a fun watch. It is so much fun. Really is. Let's see. Print screen. We got a Jason Statham movie in a top ten. Now it's complete. Yes, the actual, the actual good Statham film from 2023. Ambrose Chamberpot, Hugh Grant, the Oompa Loompa. He does play the Oompa Loompa. And as bad as the CG is, I think Hugh Grant's still great. Print screen. Nope. All of Jason Statham's movies are worth watching. I would disagree. I would disagree. Richard Fontaine. I agree with one review I read online. The strong performances and the holdovers makes this overly long and drawn out dry comedy tolerable. I would disagree because it's. I think it's it's well paced. It's not overly long. I think that anyone who thinks it's overly long is someone that probably does not like those kinds of movies. It's not a movie for everyone, for sure. But you have to know what kind of movie it is. Which, it's, it's a talking movie. It's, it's a movie that's not going to have action sequences. It's not going to be exciting. But, yeah. All right, let's see. Icthulu is a member, says, Ugh, American Fiction deserves a top ten. Boo! Again, totally, totally get it. Gary Banjo says, UK, get the Iron Claw February 9th. Awesome, dude. Hope that you're able to see it. Hardwick says, I watched a video about the Von Erich family. It's just a depressing story. I don't see what appeal a movie could uh, about it could have. Well, I hope that wasn't before the movie, or I hope it was, especially wasn't after I told people when I had first seen the film not to do that. Um, so I would say, Hardwick, you should still watch the film, dude. It's a phenomenal movie. Even if you know the story, it's still a phenomenal film. I think that you will appreciate it a lot more, and the emotions will have a lot more effect if you don't actually know the story beforehand. But again, that's me. Snowgall um, the Claw, I remember that wrestling move, yes, yes indeed alright, let's see Midnight's Edge After Dark, Tom what's going on Tom, 132 people 132 people playoffs Tom, what's up brother, thank you so much Mead Raid Midnight's, after, Midnight's Edge After Dark Raid, I appreciate it brother, thank you so much man Check us out, hanging out together on Saturdays, Salty Saturdays. He's a co-host, officially a co-host now, on our Salty Saturday stream over at the Salty Nerd Podcast. Shout out to the Salty Nerds. Shout out to the Salty Saturday stream. Let's see. Wayward Noodle what is going on. Hail to you. Thanks for being here. Minutes Edge says, got a streamer for the shift. It's good. Glad to hear it. Glad to hear it, Tom. Yeah, it's it's a film I really do want to see and I might need to find out cuz I know that you've talked in the in the past. I think it was in the salty chat about uh getting access to screeners specifically from Angel Studios cuz I the thing I want Tom, I want a screener for the upcoming Cabrina movie. As a Catholic especially, it's like it's a movie that uh, cuz I I know when I when I made my most anticipated list that was in my top three most anticipated. And I'm sure a lot of people were like, what? <laughs> what the heck is this? But it's like for a Catholic, you're like, oh, yeah, that makes that actually would make sense that you would get that. Story of Job with a children of uh, men vibe to it. Yes, I, I've been hearing the story of Job uh, connection. Definitely, definitely excited for that. Gary Banjos there with words, It says, Boomer Raven Awards ratings slide for extra rows you may not see and get error for not filling all different circles. Yes, 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 yes. I know. There's definitely some issues with it. But since we have all these new people here, I do an award show every year, six annual Raven Awards. Fill out a ballot. It's a lot of fun. I think I still have the link. There it is. Posted the link. If you want to fill out a ballot for the Raven Awards, it's a good time. Hardwick, the book that Argyle is based on is so horrible that it's rumored to be AI-generated and a bunch of its sales were due to phony rumor that Taylor Swift wrote it. What? That actually is just so crazy that it makes me more interested in it. Hardwood, did you ever watch the video I showed you? Nope, I have not had the time to do so. But someone literally just mentioned that so clearly by my reaction to the first comment, you should have known that I did not. Greatwooda says, Hail, what's up, Greatwooda? Let's see. Steven, what's up, brother? Says, have you still yet gone to the theater this year to see a movie or still no interested till when? Uh, yeah, I still have not made it out to a theater just because of family. And uh, not until the first movie of my most anticipated movies of the year comes out. Argyle is is not on that list. So I would have to pull up a list right now. But I want to catch up with the chat. Again, shout out to Tom once again. For the amazing raid, let's see. Tom says Aunt Bunny is falling down the steps again. <laughs> is that a reference to John Wick? Is that <laughs> I don't know why the Benny Hill uh, theme song came into my head just then. Anyway, Steve, it's I say your thoughts on what is going on with Vince McMahon. You think he will get uh, he will get Benoit? You think he will see Lesnar? Oh my goodness! What? I okay. There's a lot of stuff going on with that. General thoughts about the Vince McMahon stuff. I it seems to me like everything that we know so far is that there was a consensual relationship, is what I'm gathering, and that ultimately everyone involved is depraved. I, we already knew that about Vince McMahon, so I don't think that's much of a surprise. Um, I don't like when someone's dirty laundry like that is made in such a public light. It's it's this it's the skin of you know sin of scandal when you are trying to tear down the reputation of somebody else for your own personal gain I obviously think that if anything illegal happened that it should be properly litigated but this is how I feel about all cases I hate the fact that we live in a world where these types of of cases become so publicized because it essentially guarantees there's not going to be a fair trial in almost any of these locations you know whether it's the, the Derek Chauvin trial whether it's I mean, honestly, the whole Rittenhouse thing was kind of a minor miracle, to be perfectly frank, like with just all the nonsense that was put out there about it. So, yeah, for me, it's like I kind of don't even want to talk about it all that much because I'm tired of it getting the attention that it is getting. Because, again, I think that he's a guy that if you look to his past, you know that he's got a lot of demons that he's been wrestling with. I don't think that's a surprise to anyone that's been following it. And I don't think, you know, bringing it up in public is going to really help anybody. All right, Liam McNeil, what's up? Says, the fact James Gunn is working with Tom King makes me seriously question his judgments. There you go. Steven, were you satisfied with the Royal Rumble winner this year? Yes and no. I think it's really cool that that Cody Rhodes won this year, but it should not have been necessary. He should have won the title off of Roman Reigns last year. But obviously, I I forget exactly who was booking the shows at the time. I, I think Vince may have still had some involvement with that. But it was one of the worst decisions they've made. The whole Roman thing is so overplayed. It's so boring. And it's also just so unbelievable. He's just... Again, I know that some people are really enjoying his run as as a heel. And his run as, you know, as the tribal chief and everything. I've just never been interested in Roman Reigns. I've, I've hated them pushing him ever since the very beginning of that push. Before COVID. And... Just checked out of WDB. A big a big reason why I checked out of WWE for so long, you know, even prior to COVID was because they were pushing Roman Reigns so much. Um, but yeah, I mean, because if you, if you look at the, I recommend highly of the documentary that is on was it Hulu maybe, or no no because of the deals it's on Peacock, um, and it's the Cody Rhodes documentary. It's it's a phenomenal documentary for one. It's very well made, but then you get to the ending and. Everything is being built up to have this perfect ending, and then all of a sudden it's like, nope, Roman Reigns is still champion. And I know that's been kind of his push to say the story is not over; the story has not been completed. But dude should have been crowned last year. Um, I don't like that it was him versus CM Punk at the end either. I, as you all know, I don't think CM Punk is got it in the ring anymore. I, he's. He, I think the performance that he gave in this Rumble was. You know, probably better than anything he did in AEW, but it also was still like, oh man, you're such a such a shadow of his former self. Let's see. Hardwick says there's a weird trend of Tom Cruise movies getting renamed. Edge of Tomorrow became Live Die Repeat on home media. Well, yeah, there's a whole background to that story too, but yeah, it's it is interesting. Uh, let's see. Midnight's Edge says, I "Told you, Sound of Freedom ate its lunch too." Uh huh. I know that you keep saying that, but look, Sound of Freedom did phenomenal. But I'm sorry to say that people went to go see Sound of Freedom instead of ever going to see Mission Impossible. There's just not a lot of there there. Because as great as Sound of Freedom did, it's a success because of how little the film actually cost to make more so than anything else. Like, especially when you look at how much it made domestically for the kind of movie that it was for the kind of budget that it had absolutely successful. But to say that the movie mission impossible failed was in any way substantially affected by that box office. Just the, the money doesn't actually work. The math doesn't actually play out right. Anyway, Cthulhu has say, Have you seen the trailer for Ghostbusters Frozen Kingdom? I have not seen it. Uh, it says there, It's like the entire trailer. Everyone forgot how to act. What are they doing? Oh, boy. That's not good. That makes me that makes me very concerned. Very concerned. Stephen, are you going to see Madame Webb? Uh, unfortunately, I have to. It is homework. However, I am not seeing it opening night because, I'm sorry, I'm not spending Ash Wednesday in a movie theater, for one... <laughs> And two, not spending Ash Wednesday watching Madame Whip. So, and I will keep saying Madame Whip. Abomination says, quick, entertain the visitors! Entertain the visitors! Steven, your thoughts on Captain America reshoots again? I, yeah, I saw that, not surprised. I mean, this has just been, this has been the story for so long when it, it comes to, uh, The MCU, right? And anything by Disney, it seems. It's just nonstop, everything falls apart, reshoots, chaos behind the scenes, ballooned budgets, overspending. I'm not surprised at all. And it just makes what would likely have been a guaranteed flop that just much of a bigger flop, you know? Anyway, 8 of 45. Harvard says, Odin, would you be interested? By the way, I do need to start wrapping things up soon because we're getting close to the end point here. Would you be interested in access to online test screenings where you watch unreleased movies online, provide feedback? That depends on the film. I am already I already got access to a couple things, but, you know, it, it really depends. If, it, if it's more mainstream, I'm much more interested in that versus random uh, films. But again, I I've, I do have access to, to a couple of those things already. Ambrose says, Raven Awards, the one day of the year, I wear my Tux T-shirt. You know it, Rob D. Have you thought about what you want to do for episode 500 of these streams, 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. stream? Probably not. I, yeah, I don't really have anything crazy planned, to be perfectly honest. I, uh, I remember I used to have crazy ideas back in the day, but because I... I'm always just so thankful to have any time to to be able to do these streams these days because of all the craziness in in real life. It's it's just I like to be able to, you know, enjoy it for what it is. Steven, do you really think Vince McMahon allegations are true? What would you do if you were if you were the WCEO? Uh, again, I think that anything that has to be proven true allegations got to be proven. You got to have facts if it's going to be a court case, then obviously you have to be able to provide actual facts and data to back it up. So my opinion of whether it's true or not is irrelevant. It just seems based on the information available that we do have text messages. They seem to be confirmed as coming from Vince. And it does seem like he did this. The, the, the question I think that's being litigated, or at least it's being questioned, is whether or not it was consensual or not. And to me, it just seems like that's just not the case. Or rather, sorry, that, that the person who's saying it's not it was not consensual, consensual is it, just not really being forthright there. Harwick, I'll post a link in Discord to the Uber Geeks video about the Argyle book. It's weird. Tom says, "No, that's from Eddie Murphy. Delirious. It's in reference to the shoe." Ah, okay. Yeah, I've actually never, I've actually never seen that. I know, not seen a lot of the classic era comedy. Forever Sci-Fi understood that ant, <laughs> that Aunt bunny reference. Batmanuel, your wife's a Bigfoot, isn't she, Gus? Victor Fontaine uh, Odin did you get Dune part two IMAX tickets to the early fan premiere on Sunday? I did see that. I did see people mention that on Critic List, but that is, I did not get the tickets to that yet because I don't know if my wife wants to see that with me in theaters or not. That's something, unfortunately I got to wait for that. It isn't able to prove it guilty. I agree. I agree. And that's why I do question the validity of the, the allegations of anything being non-consensual but as far as the, 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 again, it seems like the evidence available to us indicates that he's done these things. And as I said, that's not the surprising part. Because he's done a lot of really creepy things before. So it's really, that is not all that much of a surprise. Abomination Might not have an opinion on that, Neil McDonough. But what's your opinion about the history? <laughs> yes. Okay. It's been a while. I always appreciate these. If you've never been on my streams before it's a great inside joke of the stream so i'll read it again obama 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 uh abomination says oh you might not have an opinion on the neil mcdonough uh, on neil mcdonough but what is your opinion about the history of the sub-saharan slave trade <laughs> i apologize if i messed up the name someone randomly in one of the streams asked me a question point blank about my thoughts on the sub-saharan i think there was more to it than that but sub-saharan i uh, do no, the sub-saharan african slave trade i think it's the full name and I was like, what in the world are you talking about? What are you talking about? What, what are you doing? And ever since then, you know, I forgot who started it, but it was maybe three or four streams later, someone who actually was a part of the channel was having a re- regular conversation and then at the very end of their comment added on, it's like your thoughts about the Sub-Saharan African slave trade. I'm like, I just died every time it gets me. Midnight says, the proof is in the numbers! The same audience ignored Mission Impossible. That's the point you're ignoring. But again, we're talking here about people going to see a movie. Okay? And we're talking about whether or not those people seeing the film are literally saying, I saw this one, and therefore because I saw this one, I did not see that one. And again, unless you actually have proof that people said... Hmm, what am I going to see tonight? Hmm, I'm going to see this film. Oh, I'm never seeing this film now. Unless you have that, you don't... Again, the point that's trying to be made is not being made by by just that. You need to have a lot more data to back up that specific claim. All right? I love you, brother. I love you, man. King and Rumshiki says, Can you please inform Tom that I have already filled the job of part-time troll on here? This is true. This is true. There's no there there, Tom. Okay. It depends on what your definition of is. Is. Killy Chow. Are we going to have a Steiner math showdown from you both? <laughs> no, it's honestly, it's not me trying to put anyone down, Tom. It's, I'm literally four minutes over and I try to be as as very strict with my time as I possibly can. So if it comes across that way, I do apologize. That's not my intention. Ictulu, have you seen Madame Webb? That's karma for not giving cocaine beer. Honorable mention for the best movie of 2023. I know everyone's going to be enjoying that. Let's see. Hardwick, the test screening website in question doesn't have much mainstream stuff. Mostly low budget. Yeah, I really have no question. I have no interest in that. Steven, do you think oh, we'll see Lesnar again, or is he officially canceled? I don't know. I didn't see anything about Lesnar. I don't. Again, I don't really follow a lot of that stuff. Uh, slave Trade question for Woman King movie maybe it was it was maybe related to that but it was very random and then Tom that was overperforming on each screen performing over again you are talking about per screen ratio we're not you we have to look at the total numbers so to say what you're saying you would be having to say that what this 200 million plus would be going instead to Mission Impossible. And there, again, there's just no proof of that being the case. That that's the point that I'm trying to make. I think that you might be trying to make a different point. I don't know for sure. I don't have the time right now just to to further litigate because I know that we've already had this this conversation. So, Eric anyway, Hardwick says it would seem that Vince Man isn't as much of a germaphobe as Trump. <laughs> that's true. And Abomination, you indeed reminded me. Yeah, ultimately, I I just I have to put this one out there whenever math is being brought up because. It's the math. Time to see a real mathematician at work. <laughs> Time to see the real mathematician at work here, brother. All right. So we're going to go ahead and end things there, everybody. So I am indeed going to be in Orlando this weekend. So if you have not uh, gotten tickets yet to Metcon and you're going to be in the area, please do reach out if you can. Leave comments below as well. So I can try to be on the lookout for you there. But if you want more information about the event, go to geeksandgapers.com and check out the Megacon post. It has all the information as far as um, what the events are going to be. Uh, Just so everyone knows, as far as the panels are concerned, I'm obviously going to be there in the room. I'm not going to be on any of the actual panels themselves. But I'm excited to be able to be at Megacon to be... Uh, around everybody to be able to to talk with everybody i am planning of course as always whenever i do any of these events to bring uh bring some rosaries so uh please if you are in the area and want us to uh rather want a a rosary please do let me know and i'd be happy to uh, to give one out i'm gonna try and make as as many as i can uh between now and the event itself but again you have the whole screen here talks here about how the Ripperverse booth is where the uh, meetups are going to be as far. So as far as any of the meet and greets um, during the con on Saturday, we are going to be, Geese and Gamers is going to be in the booth from 4 to 5. So check us out then. Uh, Gary Neidrotic is going to be there from 3 to 4. And there's, of course, going to be Geese and Gamers panel from one fifteen to 2.00. And that should be a lot of fun. I'll be in the room there. Obviously, I'll be talking with people throughout the day. But, yeah, it's it's going to be a ton of fun. So, again, check out Geeks and Gamers if you want geeksandgamers.com if you want more information about the MegaCon event. But I'm very excited. Uh, again, something that always causes me a little bit of anxiety. But, honestly, it's something now that I look forward to so much because when I'm able to talk to so many people that struggle with social anxiety and, and just people who are – it's just kind of still so real to me that there are people that – either want to talk with me or just, again, it's just, it's, it's so surreal to me uh, because I just, I'm I'm such a regular person. It just, my everyday life, you know? So it's amazing. But seriously, thank y'all for being here tonight. This has been a ton of fun. Tom, again, I know that we have a very strong disagreement on this, but much love to Tom. Check out Midnight's Edge After Dark. Check out Tom, support him. Uh, He's awesome. And make sure you check out us both ...on the Salty Saturday stream that we do together uh, with the Salty Nerds. It is a ton of fun. And so with all that being said, uh, thank you all again for an amazing night. Make sure you vote in the Ravens, All right, Get your votes out there. Vote early, vote often. And with all that being said, I gotta go get some ice cream... ...before calling it a night and probably watch an episode. Uh, My wife and I just watched all of Firefly and watched Serenity last night. So I don't know what our next uh, endeavor is going to be with that. But with all that being said, you guys are all amazing and beautiful people. Have a wonderful rest of your evening, a blessed rest of your Septuagesima. And I will see some of you in Orlando. And uh, excited to see what happens. Anyway, God bless.